to Inside Dance, a podcast that celebrates the Bates Dance Festival dance community. I'm your host, Lindsay LaPointe. This year marks the 40th anniversary of the Bates Dance Festival. Along with that, it's the 30th anniversary of Rennie Harris' Pure Movement. Legendary choreographer Rennie Harris has restaged his classic work, Roman Jewels, to honor the company's anniversary. 25 years later, this critically acclaimed Elizabethan masterpiece, Roman Jewels, is a retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet set in the streets of Philadelphia. Roman Jewels is a story of fear, love, violence, and triumph that offers insight into many of the racial, religious, and economic questions we face. The original production broke ground nationally and internationally, winning three Bessie Awards, a Shakespeare Theatre Award, and a nomination for the United Kingdom's Laurence Olivier Award. As a performance, it accompanies a large body of work by Rennie Harris Peer Movement that has built a tradition of offering global audiences new connections to theater and music while staying rooted in the best traditions of hip-hop and street dance. Rennie Harris Peer Movement is the longest-running street dance theater company in American history and is the permanent ambassador and elder of hip-hop and street dance culture. The director of the Bates Dance Festival, Shoshona Courier, facilitated an artist talk with three of the original creators of Roman Jewels. Here's the talk with Rodney Mason, Ozzy Jones, and Rennie Harris. Welcome to our artist talk uh, with members of Rennie Harris Pure Movement. Um, woo! Um, so it is a great pleasure to introduce the uh, three humans on stage right now. They are Rodney Mason, He's a dancer and performer, Ozzy Jones, Bates class of 1992, thank you very much. also with an honorary degree from Bates and renowned choreographer and just general wonderful human to have at the festival, Rennie Harris. So we're here to talk about Roman Jewels, which is a remount uh, from 25 years ago. Uh, so Rennie, do you want to talk a little bit about what it's like to revisit this work, this question will be for all of you. Well, you know, it's kind of like trying to bring the old band back together, kind of, because when I wanted to, uh, the idea to do it, I wanted to do it with the original cats who actually did it. So we got the majority, I think 90% of the, the original cats, um, and um, uh, some are still slated to join us as we do other, other cities. Um, so that's it's kind of cool uh, to, to get some of them. Um, we added some new costume, black dye, and um, for the cats who got a little gray now. And uh, they were sitting all normal, like, yeah, yeah, black dye. Like, like, so anyway, but anyway, um, I, I'm older now, so I got dad jokes, so. Uh, so, um, 
So yeah, so I mean, the, the it was you know like anything else is trying to get everyone's grown. People got other they're they've moved on doing their own thing and trying to pull everybody together. Uh, it was rough, especially during 2020. Um, we raised money. Uh, we did a, a campaign to be able to start. Um, just like getting the ideas back, talking to the uh, production cats and designers and stuff like that, and you know, finding all that stuff together. So we were able to we raise uh, I think thirty thousand in twenty twenty to get started, um, and blew through that very quickly. And so. <laughs> So anyway, uh, it was just like anything else. Bringing everybody together was was kind of, was kind of rough, and then especially because you have to keep them interested through the, the you know the first year and the second year we're all still in, and then when maybe we put our toe in the pool and then they pulled us back in, it's like ah, you know, and so that was the hardest part, just organizing and bringing them back. And it's amazing, mainly just me, because um, most of them probably have they don't really call you back if I'm not calling them, like directly. So I got to call like okay, you know. That, that kind of thing, because they were like, who's this little young person calling me? You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, that was the hardest part, just organizing and getting back, uh, getting people back together in the mind frame. And what's it like now that you're all back together? What's it like to be in rehearsal for this piece again? Um, what, what's it like? Uh, well, touring is, is, is interesting, because when you tour for a while with people, they kind of become like your family. And, um, and man, like, my son was first born when we did this. So, and you know, now he's 25. So it's like both, both good things and bad things over that expansive period of time happen. And you know, and you, and you know, these are my brothers, like this is my family. So it's like, um, I just, I, I'm here for that. You know what I mean? Like, we did it for a long time. It was really successful. It was good. I mean, I said yes because this is my brother, and I say yes to him. You know what I mean? So um, it was, it was, it's not really about Rome and Jules, to, for me personally. Um, it's about, you know, responding to, because um, I know as an artist, at least for me, I, I tend not to connect to the work but I connect to the people I make the work with. And in my personal experience, I am far more f fulfilled when I am connected to the people I'm making work with than I am to the work, right? Like I'd rather, I'd rather be working with people I dig on something that's not necessarily successful than something that's successful and everybody irritates me, you know what I mean? So. Um, so yeah, it's fun because I'm with them. It's it's very hard. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, I forgot. That. Uh, all I can think about is a hot tub, a massage, and stretching. It's my life. Stretching, 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 stretching. As a dancer, that's your life. It's it's difficult, but it's in my DNA. And that part is beautiful. Because um, I don't have to think about it. I can just go, ah, get it. <laughs> and and it, it all just kind of comes back to me. So it's difficult, but it's also very, very beautiful thing for me personally. And how is it? 
kind of revisiting the content, does it feel, so Roman Jules is based on Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. Um, how, yeah, how is the content holding up for you now versus how, how it felt when you were making it 25 years ago? Are there different resonances? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think it's, it's almost pretty much the same thing as it was in the beginning. Once, once the, once the, the, the floodgates were opened up, and what I mean by that, in the very beginning, um, the, it's interesting, something you may not know. So I wrote this script for Roman Jules here at Bates. And it was in 1996, 97. I was doing something called Jazz Tap Hip Hop Show with uh, tappers here. And Laura Four, the former director, came over to visit someone in the hotel. My door was open, and she said, hey, honey, what's going on? And she just walked in. I was like, oh. right? And then she was like, oh, what you doing? I said, oh, I'm writing this thing, Roman Jews. <gasps> what is it? And then so I said, oh, we got to get it. And so that's how it started, the, the momentum of getting people to back and people to see it. Um, and so in any case, so that was all very formal. Like it was, I'm going to say formal. I was using uh, Shakespeare like exact, right? But however, there was this little like colloquial, like this um, local slang and hearing like Ebonics, right? It's nothing big, like, you know, every, at the end it'd be like, yeah, man, like, you know, what's up? Dude? You know, that kind of stuff. And so in rehearsal, uh, in the first moment, it's another phase to it, but because originally before that Roman Jews, it was going to be a West Side Story before we added lines. And then the, um, um, and we did a 45 minute version of it with no, no dialogue or monologue. And, um, I think it might have been Rodney Mason walked into the rehearsal and said, yo, Thibault, thou art the villain, so what's up? And I was like, ding. I was like, yo, there we go. And then the next manifestation was, okay, we re I'm rewriting, and I, I, I print, and I do all this stuff, and I'm like really proud I'm doing this stuff. I can't write, right? So... Like real talk, like you know what I mean? So I'm doing what I think is like, this is cool, whatever. And slowly what was happening was Rodney Mason, I think Sabella Grimes or D. Sabella Grimes started to, they were uh, wordsmith and, 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 and poetry. They did, you know, that was their thing, background. And uh, Rodney was a, a lot of stuff over there. Uh, like he was a, he was a weatherman in, in one, of the, one of the wars. Uh, I forget which war, he's a veteran, so. Like, so I'm just, I like to say that stuff because the people don't know, right. Anyway, um, so they started adding their own poetry and writing in between the sort of slang and Elizabethan text. And I'm like, and at the time, I was like, you guys are dancers, y'all can't act, right? So I was like, but that poetry shit, y'all are killing it. Let's do that because that is more you. And so pulling, so I, we sort of mixed these moments of Elizabethan texts. And so I just allowed them to do what they were doing. They started to write their own monologues. And it just really just kept going on and going on. So by the time Ozzy came on, which I hired him as a dramaturg, I knew Ozzy for a while, I knew his wife, I think, first. Um, he was from with an uh, um, underground rap group that was doing uh, amazing stuff in Philly called Name. Um, and he was a director, and I think I met him as a director. I was introduced to him and didn't know he was a part of this group. 
And um, and so I, I pulled him into, you know, because I got scared right away, like, oh, it's Shakespeare. And then what I kind of already knew, I already knew some things I knew innately was that rhyme, like iambic pentameter and, 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 and rhyming and hip hop were the same. Like we were doing the same thing. So when he came in, he was like, yeah, B, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. I was like, yeah, man, but you know, I don't know, cats can't really act. I need you to get them like getting acting, you know, doing, you know. And so then eventually it made sense like he become a character within, he becomes the older Tony and, and West Side Story-ish sort of person. Um, and so things sort of like developed from from that perspective with all the and, and he was actually probably the only person I actually asked to like yo could you write your thing your monoclonal everybody else is kind of was osmosis and they just sort of like like get in where you fit in all that to say nobody stuck to the goddamn script <laughs> motherfuckers was fucking <laughs> improving. And so the hardest part is keep containing their own laughter to say shit to each other to get them to fuck up. So I'm watching a tape. So they're in London. We, like, we, had, we, was, we were performing all over the world. And this one gig, I, guess, I don't think I was there. They're in London, and it's a scene where the tip and old man is like, he just gets, gets out of prison, and he's la, la, la. And they get into a, he's like, a, 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 a tussle, because um, Ozzy, he doesn't know it, because he thinks, big people, we all think we're small until we have to get into a car, or until we, you know what I mean? And so, all this to say, when he puts his hand, if he does like this to you, hey, man, you, it's like, oh my God, like, what is in your hands, you know? So there's a scene where he hits the guy and hits the tip up in the chest with his hand, like, what, you don't know how to fuck y'all up? Boom. And it must have really hurt. I'm sure it hurt. Because then Tibbalt decided, yo, you gonna stop hitting me on stage. They get into a fight. They roll off stage. Now, meanwhile, this is the tape that D. Ross, the sound de the, um, designer, sent to me to, to start to recreate. I hadn't seen the show. I'm watching this a year ago, a month ago, I'm like, what? What is going on? Boom, they're fighting off stage. And then all of a sudden, you see the other character jumps back on stage and falls like he got hit up, knocked out. And it's like almost a 10 minute scene. And the scene really should be three minutes. So this is the, this is a long response, but I'm just saying, contextualizing, keeping the content together. Because they can often go off, like as I'm going off on a tangent. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I would love to open it up to questions from the audience. <laughs> oh, it's on. Hi, hello. Um, my name's Lauren. I am a fellow Bates student, soon to be Bates grad. A, um, a question. <laughs> um, a question I have is, as a Bates graduate, 
in the dance world. And also for you, Rennie, like um, with your connection to Bates and the Dance Festival, like advice for getting into the real world and not being on this campus. But from your perspective as a creator, choreographer, um, how, I don't want to say like, how do you pick who you dance with? But like, how do you make those connections with people you would like to create with and dance with? Uh, that's a great question. So, um, I don't know what it's like here now, but when I was here, it was a very weird, like, um, series of events and connections that, um, that I don't know would have happened to anywhere else. So, when I was here, there was a guy here named Buddy Butler. And Buddy was one of the original members of the Negro Ensemble. So Paul Carter Harrison and Woody King and Amiri Baraka and Inazaki Shange and were all his friends. And so like the leadership of the black arts movement, I was around them all the time as a student. So when I left, you know, Inazaki was a friend of mine, and she went on, I mean, God bless the dead, but she went on to, I mean, I named my son after a character in Color Girls. Like, she was, Zach came to the hospital when my um, son was being born. And, uh, and I taught her daughter, and you know what I mean? Like, like Zach's my friend, and I met her here. So, it's, it's odd, right, to be in Maine and literally the leadership of the revolutionary black arts theater was pretty much all here. Um, so that when I got out, they weren't connections, they were people I knew. And I worked with them immediately. It is the, it is the really good thing about going to a school like this, is that because it's a, a great education, the people who you're teaching are not, like sometimes you have teachers and they, they exist in the classroom. And then other times you have teachers who exist in the world too. Um, and when I was here, well, shoot, Marcel's in here, right? Yeah. Hey? Yeah. So like, I mean, like, I don't know what you know about him, but Monsell is in the world. Monsell as well. Do you understand what I mean? So um, the Bates is Bates is in the real world more than you think it is when you're a student. Is what I'm trying to say. Like when, especially when you're black and a student here, you can feel like you're in this weird bubble. Bates is less a bubble that it may appear to you right now, right? Like you'll get out in the world and saying you went to Bates has gravitas. Um, at least that's been 100% my experience. Uh, the other thing I would say in, in answer to your other question before I get to Ren is, and it's back to what I was saying before, in my experience, don't, the way to make a career in this is not to think about the career. And to make art with people that you love and you trust that you think is hip. And you keep doing that, 
I mean, it's, you know, like, like Wu-Tang is wealthy and their families are wealthy for generations from something that they came and decided to do as brothers and stuck to it, right? So I think the hardest part is to stick to it, right? Like, and I, and I just want to keep coming back to that. Like when he asked me to do, you know, the funny story about what he was saying about when he asked me to do it, I saw him in the street. Remember you were walking down the street and he was like, yo, I got this idea. Uh, Roman Jules has got, got something to do with uh, Romeo and Juliet and, and there's this weird scattered. I was like, I don't really understand what you're talking about. But he said, yeah, come to the, I think it was CC or the spot, the, 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 the post office spot. And he was like, come down there. And so when I got there, he had a check. But my point is, I went because he asked me. I found out I was going to get paid later, but I didn't say yes to no money. Do you understand what I mean? I said yes to, well, Rennie's dope, and he just asked me to come by there because so we're, we're going to make something. So I said yes to going to make something. My suggestion would be keep, keep focusing on saying yes to making something. The stuff that you make in that spirit will en enrich your life, which eventually it enriches your pocket too. But the pocket, in my experience, the pocket can't be the issue. Every time in my life I've made my pocket the issue, the work has sucked. And, and when I say suck, sometimes the press has liked it and the audience has liked it, but I didn't. And I don't know how everybody else feels, but if I make something and I don't like it, like I feel like I'm gonna put a bag on my head, like I feel ill. Um, and when I make something and I like it, man, I could care less what the review says. You see what I mean? Like if I dig it and everybody I'm in the room with digs it, like enjoy it, don't enjoy it, whatever, we're having a blast. If you look at it like that and you use the gravitas of being in this place, you're gonna be fine. Um, I think I'm a little, might may, may be the opposite because I like to be alone. Yeah, I, yeah, I try not to be in spaces and places and stuff with folk. Um, and mainly because I'm always, I'm awkward in conversation that, you know, like my friends, like I'm the life of the party. Yeah. But then it's like, I get around people I don't know. I'm just like, and that's because I, I, um, I was extremely shy as a child where the stories go that I would stand in the corner for hours on my own and just like stand there. And they had, I know, very weird, right? <laughs> and they would have, so I, so as, a, as an adult, I enjoy being by myself, which makes it hard for having a partner because the question always is, do you miss me? And I'm like, no. I'm, I'm really enjoying this time, right? Right, sometimes being honest is going to use a long process, right? Okay. So um, coming back and forth, based though, and I was in that mode, and Laura Ford can tell you, I, you know, it was this big, they would have this meeting with all the, I don't know if they still do, but all the, the teachers meet and they talk and stuff like that, and she'd be like, yeah, we're going to have to come out of the, what's the meeting for? I don't, don't want to go to that meeting. I don't want to, and I was just sitting, be quiet the whole time, let everybody talk. So by the time, they realized I hadn't talked. Well, Rennie, what do you have to say? Well, and you guys all said it already. 
And I just say a little bit, yeah, I agree with so-and-so, and I agree with so-and-so, and I agree, and then I would be like, and then I'm out, okay? So mine is different because it just takes a moment, and that has to do with the way I grew up uh, as a child. Um, however, one, uh, I had a, um, an ex say to me, you know, Rennie, it's, it's the way somebody says something to you that, that kicks you off to start talking. It's how they say and what they say to me, I'm, I'm listening, that makes me open up in that way. So I have a hard time socializing. Like, this is easy because, uh, okay, I got to go, I got to be on. The light just turned on, boom. I sat here and then y'all came and it was like, okay, it's time to go, right? This is easy. But I'm, I'm not a first speaker. Like, I don't, like, you walk next to me, often I might not be the person to say, hey, how you doing, or introduce myself. Not because I'm being an ass, but just because I don't think of it that way. I often don't even realize I'm, not, I'm doing these things. So, um, however, with that said, somehow I was able to make it here and be on this stage and to talk to you. Um, what I did realize about me was that I still like to be good to people. You know what I mean? And so, once I'm going, then it's like we're friends forever. And I'm not one of that. Some of you guys, are, some of you are, folk are the same way. Meaning, you are friends for, the, like, you, some, some of your friends you haven't talked to in, like, 10 years. But if you met them, saw, ran into them today, it would be as if you just saw them yesterday. That's me. Because I like person-to-person -person friends in that way. Advice for, so that's me as far as um, here at Bates. Like, I've met a lot of people. I've met a lot of important choreographers. Uh, through, and that part was great. Um, and like Ozzy said, anytime I told people that I taught at Bates, they were like, what? You have a you I was like, yeah, 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 Bates College. So you heard of it? So it holds weight internationally. Okay? Yeah, it really holds, I had no clue. Um, however, by way of getting along in your career, and the one thing that Ozzy said was, don't think about it. Just do what you love. I never thought about it. I never tried to be, attempted to be a choreographer. I never, my attempt was not to be a dancer. I didn't realize I was a choreographer and dancer until I was 36 when uh, we did the Spiletto Festival in North, South Carolina. And they said, Harris brings angst dance to Spiletto Festival. Or well, it said, choreographer Harris brings, like, and I, I, I bypassed the angst and was like, I'm a choreographer? I'm like, oh shit, I didn't realize that. You know what I mean? And so that's a whole other process. So for me, none of this is anything I attempted to do. I specifically did it because I got paid. Yeah, for a long time. Economics. It's the thing that, it, you know, it, it paid me, right? I, I wasn't, but my, all my friends were getting paid through drugs and everything else, selling and all that kind of, I was getting paid, this was my hustle. My focus actually was to be a priest. I was in uh, studying for being priesthoods in middle school, Catholic school all my life. Went to high school, started training at the seminary on the weekends. So by the time I got out of high school and started moving, like life got me with the dance because I kept getting, becoming popular and then, then I got, yeah, I actually liked solitude. That was probably one of the things that I was like, oh, this is it right here. I can just pray and just be like, mm, you know what I mean? <laughs> of course. And then this thing caught me, and then I realized that I was touching people's lives doing this. Um, however, once I decided to do this, 
I wanted to do it my way. And I wanted to do whatever, I didn't care, like Ozzy, whatever I wanted to do, like if you're gonna hire me, you're gonna get this piece. You're not just gonna be uh, get entertainment or be entertained, right? You, and that's why they said angst dance, because we, I dealt with racism, I dealt with you know, molestation, or oh, they're working in the back, sorry. Um, you know, and all those kind of things. So anyway, the point of it is that I had to, I had to figure out my way. What stayed consistent and persistent, because you have to be persistent about being consistent, all right? And that was, I loved creating. And I just kept doing it, no matter what. I didn't think about where I was going or where it was getting me. I didn't have people critiquing my work. The critique is here. So when you, get, when you see it, you can critique, because now it's, it's, it existed. Not when I just put the work out. I still have the problem today when I create a new work. People are like critiquing it. That's just not done. I'm always creating that way. So just keep doing what you love. Take all the other stuff out of it. And I can guarantee you, you're going you're gonna to make it on just that. Might not be what you, you know what I mean, on some level. Thank you. Is there another question right there? Hi, my name is Molly, and my question for all of you is, if you could take your present selves and go back into the past when Roman Jules was being created and what first premiered, what advice or what's something that you would want to tell your past self whether it be about the show or just about life or any, anything in particular? Uh, I would tell myself, uh, you got this. <laughs> uh, so I'm just trying to understand the question. If, I, if you could go back and talk to the to yourself, back then, what would you, drink less. Uh, um, I'm, I'm gonna concur. No, but actually, uh, yeah. can I just jump on in that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because actually, I mean that because, um, what you do when you're young becomes habits you deal with for the rest of your life. And when you're young and you're making art, it's so much fun and it's so exciting. You, you don't really, you know what I mean? Like you don't really, it's like you look up and a decade has passed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, like I had, I had okay, perfect example, we did a show I think it was the first one in Philly we did at the Wilma. Mm -hmm. And when you said it was 25 years, I was like, no, it wasn't. 20 years, I was like, that's not possible. And then I remembered my son, because there's a scene in the beginning where they robbed me and they beat me up. And my son was five and he was all the way in the back. So I'm getting, they attacked me and I hear from the darkness, don't hit my daddy. <laughs> And I was on stage like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why didn't I tell him this is what's going on? 
And so he's in the back panicking, like thinking he'll really beat me up. But it helped me mark how much time has passed because, you know, he's 25 and about to go to law school. So I'm like, oh man, like actual time passes. So the reason I say I wanted to expound on that is like you can get habits chilling. You know what I mean? Like just chilling, just hanging out. And then, and then you look up and you're 40 and you're like, shit, I do this every day. Now. You understand what I mean? Like when did that happen? You know? So I would say that one for me, but I would say for all of you, like, you know, try as best you can as be, while you're being adventurous to pay attention to what's happening to you when you're young. Because the stuff you do when you're young, some of it stays, you know what I mean? And uh, I'll say quickly, the um, drinking, yes. Um, first time I drank, I was 26 years old, um, 28 when I smoked not cigarettes. Um, but I, I used to come. Hilarious. This is why I like coming back. Yeah, right. um, uh, yeah we, I used to bring a 40 to, to rehearsal. I was extremely hardcore back then. I wore combat boots, camouflage all the time. I was ready to go. I considered myself a soldier. I was very radical. The dancers were all afraid of me. Yeah, at the, in the very beginning, because I came from that life. I came from you know, uh, that, that neighborhood, those shootings, that stabbing, those things. That's, I came from that life. And, and not as a, like a, you know, just as a participant, not as a, an aggressor. But you, know, you get caught up with people, and then you wind up being in, in these situations. Um, one thing I would tell myself is, because someone had grabbed me, is, is to take $10 and save it once a month. Just only 10. Find your habit and get rid of your habit. Whatever you pay for now, get rid of that habit. And every time you get an urge to get it, if you're addicted to coffee, uh, you got four a day, make it three a day, and take that fourth one and put, it, you know, put that money in the and, and some sort of thing, right? Uh, and, 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 and I guarantee you, by the time you are my age, you'll be a millionaire. However, by the time you are my age, I don't know how much that's gonna be worth. <laughs> but that's what I would tell myself, and then I would also tell myself to, I created a list for myself, it was kinda late, and I think I was in my 30s or something like that. I would tell myself this when I was in my teens, to make a list of, everything, a log. This is what I did in my 30s when I realized nobody, were, nobody was calling me to do work. I made a list um, of everything I did that day. So I made three columns. I put um, BS, and then I put um, PM, and then I put CM. So BS, of course, was for bullshit. So I would log my entire day, and I would put, I would talk to my brother about the Eagles, bullshit. You know what I mean? Hung out with my friends playing basketball, bullshit. You know, you know watch Gilligan Island reruns, bullshit. <laughs> my, first, my first week of doing this, my bullshit column went to two pages. There was nothing in PM, which is potential money. There was nothing in CM, which was confirmed money. Contracts signed, <laughs> contracts signed, and I have, a, uh, I have a retainer fee already. So as this happened, I, I read, started reading books 
potential money. I talked to my friend about this idea I have, potential money. As these things started moving from BS to PM and then PM to CM, that's what got me out of this thing in, when I, in my 30s. Other than that, I was waiting to be discovered. You'll be waiting on that corner for a long time. <laughs> you create you. That's it. So that's what I would tell myself is to, Rennie, stop. Stop it. Get it together, sir. You, you have to discover you. All right. One more question. Um, hi. So I am trying to think of a way to ask this question with minimal eye rolling and no offense. So sorry in advance if I offend you or if I make you roll your eyes. But I'm 32. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I came here, I was 24. And the second time I came here, I was 27. And I'm definitely feeling a huge difference in my body in my 30s post-pandemic. Um, and I'm already terrified to return to professional works that I did four years ago, let alone 25 years ago. Uh, luckily, I think that age in dance has been shifting a lot recently over the last decade or so, and I'm really grateful <laughs> as I age <laughs> for that. Um, but just as people who, and this is where the offense comes in, as people who've aged more than me, <laughs> returning to a work <laughs> from 25 years ago, what, um, I keep thinking of what I can't do anymore, and this week, so the last two days have been really nice for me thinking of what, what body knowledge and what body value I have at this older age that I didn't have at 24, and I'd love to know from each of you what body knowledge and body value you have now that you didn't have or didn't know you had 25 years ago. Hmm. Well, um, as a street dancer, I, uh, I was introduced to yoga really early. On. In fact, when I got into the company, I was introduced to yoga uh, by a ballerina. And uh, we were good friends. And having that as a practice, which I still do, and I probably always will do, has kept me in a state of mind that this is a practice and it helps me walk better. Just doing my daily thing uh, and avoid injury and recover. Um, doing this piece, it's easy to see what I can't do anymore because we did a lot of acrobatic things. And I was never an acrobat. I was just a street dancer, popping. Um, but when I got into this company, I was surrounded by amazing dancers. And I absorbed uh, what they were doing. And so I incorporated some acrobats. Now I can't do those. And I accepted that. But I'm still the free mover that I was because of the the yoga that I have and the community of movers and artists that are in my life. Actually, I wanted to jump in on that one real quick because I, I mean, I can move, but I am not a dancer, right? Uh, but I am a performer. And one of the things I would say is to, it, it's, it's the moment, right? 
That's the only thing that matters is the moment. So the moment you're in right now, your body does that. And that's it. Do you know what I mean? There is nothing else. So what I found is like, and it's very much like sports, right? Like so, like a, a really good example is uh, like basketball. Like when you see um, like uh, how Michael Jordan played at the end of his career when he was with the Wizards, it was of course very different than when he was with the Bulls. But it's, but what is different is his knowledge goes up, right? So like today, there's a, there's a section where I have to do all this rapping for the, um, uh, during the battle. And you know, I haven't rapped professionally in years, right? So um, most hip hop is like, like a, it's like that tempo, right? And then occasionally you have stuff that's, you know, like bombs over Baghdad, just like this. But because this is a, um, a hip hop company, all the tempos got to be bombs over Baghdad. Like they got to be like, and that, and, and just to jump in there real quick, rhyming back then didn't didn't have uh, basically we had bars, but not bars versus right. all that. It just kept going forever. People just rhymed. There was no ending. Like right. people just kept jumping on. So that was the right. whole point of bringing that aesthetic back. Right. Mm -hmm. So today, it's the first time I got to round to that section again. I hadn't done it in years, except for the Joyce, because we did it at the Joyce. I was like, ooh, Jesus. I was like, ouch. And that was then. So I noticed today, like back to your former self thing, I was doing it today and I was like, oh, back then I was making this so much harder than it needed to be. Like energy wise, tempo, spacing wise. And I, I have musical understanding now and understanding of my body and my lungs, but that I just didn't have them. So the moment is the thing, right? Like, so I think now, which would I rather? Like, be able to be more of a spaz like I was then? <laughs> or like, be 51 and understand that I don't have to be a spaz, you know what I mean? Like, I, I prefer the 51 thing, you know? Uh, and I think embracing the moment will keep you loving the art. Like, I like to call it the Miles Davis rule, you know, like, you know, Miles, like, apparently, I was watching this documentary where it said that he wouldn't keep any of his records in his house. So, like, he would only have the record in his house that he was working on at the moment. Because this whole thing was, the records are for y'all. But what he didn't want to do was sit around and, like, obsess about kind of blue and how pretty it is. Because then you start hating yourself and like, well, why, why doesn't it? Because the sound is the sound of the second you are in right now. And that's how you keep making stuff that's hip and you keep enjoying your, 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 your colleagues and you keep enjoying the art so you're not like judging yourself, right? Like, because that's just a, a rabbit hole that's, you know, it's, it, it's a rabbit hole that's gonna pull you away from what you love as opposed to closer to it. And you can't do anything about it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I am not the person 25 years ago. It's a, a, an exercise in complete, complete futility for me to sit around and even act like I was, you know. Um, 
for me, I, I think it's it also, for me, culturally, from a hip-hop perspective, it's never about what you can't do. It's always about what you can do. Right? So what can you do? And that's what you can do. So that's why I, I always loved hip-hop, because it, it invited and accepted all shapes, all colors, whatever it is. You do what you could do physically, right? In African-American culture, everybody dances. Like, at my block party just recently, the eldest was up there dancing, and she was 90-something years old, right? Everybody, there's never no one not able to, they do what they can do. And when you think about it from that perspective, you're not, you're not putting that sort of pressure of who you think you should be. You know what I mean? But rather you are in that space. So I'm always thinking, you know, um, so in, in, in some odd few months, um, at some point I'll be 60, right? I'm already thinking, oh, shit, well, I'm, I got to lose this, I'm ready to lose this weight. I'm about to do one more solo. I'm, I'm trying to go in, I'm trying to go in my 60, that, 60 to 70. Oh, I'm, probably, I'm about to kill it. And I know, like I just had, I had two hip replacements. Six weeks ago, I broke my ankle, dislocated it, um, and tore the ligaments in it. Now I got a, a plate and some other iron shit in my ankle. And you think, I'm like, oh no, this is just about to make me stronger and I got a fucking two hips. And, and I'm about to go in. What, you know what I mean? So, so that's all now, that's all in my head. So the thing is, I'm thinking about what can I look like, you know what I mean? As soon as my hips were healed, the first thing I did was jump back on my skateboard. Like, oh, I got to get back to skating. I got to get this, you know? And so it's never about what I can't do, right? The three laws of hip hop, innovation, creativity, and individualism, right? Being an individual, right? Th those three words, by definition, each one of them suggests progression. I can never be stacked. I can never just be one thing right here. I have to continue. You know how many people challenge, especially in the beginning? Uh, Rennie, I, you know, I don't know if that's hip hop. It's more hip hop than you are right now. Because you can't walk in the same certain in the cipher with the same sneakers on. You can't do the same move like you just did that five minutes ago. They get booed out the cipher for doing the same move, make, saying the same rhyme. We always have to be progressive. The whole point was to be, be an innovator, right? Shit inside out, when crisscross, did they close inside out? Right? That's being the creative. No, I, I knew a cat who did in my hood. I don't know where you was at. But, you know what I mean? I've seen a cat, you know, I mean, the, the point is that people are always pushing to be different in hip hop culture. Carl Kanai, the one of the first, if not the first, hip hop designer, had to make a, every other designer, clothes designer, would have a spring collection and winter collection, summer collection. Now I'm told this by the owner of Carl Kanai, who Carl Kanai sold it to. And I just happened to run into him, and we were talking about. I'm like, oh, yeah, we didn't chop it up. And the reason he had to sell his business was because he couldn't keep up with the hip-hop community. He had to come out with a different line every month because everything was passe the next month. Right? It was about progression, moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, always. So when we look at hip-hop today, I'm like, hey, what do you think about hip-hop? Yeah, okay. I have to accept that. I don't like a lot of it. But I have to accept that's what it is for right now in your generation because I know it's a progression. But what I'm hearing now is just this, 
you might have an ebb and flow. You might have a Kendrick, a, a Chance, a Tyler, and all these other cats. You know what I mean? That were doing their thing, right? But before back when our day, there was not one rapper who looked the same or sound the same. Salt and Pepper is different from uh, um, K. Swift, right? Who's different from um, Dougie Fresh? Is different from Run DMC? Different from Public? And even if you look them up right now and see what they had on, they all look like totally different. It was like it was like the Warriors. There was different gang, like different different cultures. You know what I mean? So in any case, I think um, I got on a tangent, but maybe pull it back. Um, this idea of uh, the moment I wanted to jump on, right? First, understand that you are, as dancers, you are physical historians. You keep the history of all the choreographers from the past and the present, and you, you use that information to create the future. Even the way you walk right now, right? It defines who you are, but the movement you were taught, right? Um, um, what's the boy's name? Um, Horton, right? Say this is Horton, right? Yeah, uh-huh. That, that requires a, a different understanding of the posture. Yeah? And, and you're like, oh, this hurts, because like, you're, not, you're not standing properly. You're not aligned. How many of you already did your leg, got your Alexander uh, assessment, and like, you know, your hip is over here, and your, your trunk is somewhere down the street, right? That's all generational. That's all these other traumas affecting your body and your alignment and how you walk through the world. You got me? So as dancers, you are historians and you hold that information. And hopefully when you walk into the space with that choreographer, you understand you have to get rid of all of that stuff and come an empty vessel so that, that, that choreographer can put some stuff in you, right? Give you some information. Folks who go into school, the classes with attitudes and got questions and all this kind of stuff are only blocking the information that they're not seeing the information. They're blocking all the information. You are nothing when you walk into that classroom. You come in humble. Please fill me up with knowledge, please, sir. More, please, ma'am. More, 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 please. I like to have more. And as you feel yourself get emotional, but I just don't understand it, you know. Let it go, right? Be in the moment of that. For some choreographers, for me, when someone asked me, so Rini, so where's my arm in relationship to my ribs? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Just this, that, this is my culture, it's my thing. Don't and give me, uh, translate your information, your language, you know, my thing into your language, right? Our thing is about moving, being, be, being active all the time. So with that said, I tell you this, I say this all the time to a lot of folk, that movement is the last manifestation of your reality. It is not what you say, but what you do that confirms who you are, right? So what you're doing is who you are in that moment, right? So your action, so what does that actually mean? So you know what? Um, you never need the words, I love you, from your partner, right? You just don't. That's us being insecure and selfish. Kind of like, just tell me, tell me again, please, that you love me. We want to hear those words, right? Makes us feel secure and like we're wanted and loved. But when your partner goes to the store and get themselves a Snickers, and they bring you back a Snickers too, 
It's in the action. They were, they were considering you in their thoughts. They're loving you. It is the action that confirms that they're loving you. Right? It's not the words. Words dissipate. That's why we have to keep hearing them again. Yeah? It's all about the, that moment, what is real. The only thing is real is this conversation and this moment. None of you right now in this room who can hear, hear me within earshot can tell me if you drove up here, to, if you drove up here and you have a car out there, you tell me that your car exists. It does not exist. Your dorms no longer exist. They don't exist. You can't prove to me that they exist. Who's to say when you walk out of this theater in that lobby that the lobby just, does, just appears when you walk out? <laughs> you don't know that the lobby exists. <laughs> so why, you know what I mean? So why are you, why are you projecting what, you know what I mean? You have to live, you have to live in the moment. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, all right, I'm just, I'm just saying. All of that to say, I'm confirming, I'm confirming what Brother Ozzy said about being in your moment. And that's a hard thing to do, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to uh, Rodney. How, you get to, how do you get to the moment? It's through meditation. Understanding how to meditate and going through the finding the, the type the, the technique of meditation that works for you as well, right? Meditation it will get you to the moment. It will calm you down. It will get you in the moment to, to deal with right now. Yeah, do you have a bill to pay? Okay. But you can't pay it until you pay it. Right? This is not, it's not tomorrow's tomorrow. You, it's not here yet. So let that, let that angst go, let all of that go. This is what hip hop has taught me. Nothing else. It became my religion. And once I realized this was a, 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 a religion, this was a thing to be, to be aware, right? That's what hip means, to be aware. That then said, okay, Rennie, you're here, this is what you're supposed to do. Because I fought this all the time. I fired the company three, four times. And then I asked them what they were doing next week. <laughs> all right, guys, so I'm done. Sorry. Thank you so much for this talk tonight, you guys. Thank you all for being here. And we'll see you this weekend. If you would like to know more about Rennie Harris Pure Movement, visit rhpm.org. The festival director is Shoshona Courier. The director of training programs is Allie James. Sound recording and editing by me, Lindsay Lapointe. For more information about the festival, visit BatesDanceFestival.org.